1: Thank you so much, Dr. Aiken. It's an a incredible privilege to be here, and it's always a joy to see Dr. Aiken, and especially Charlotte. And uh, I know I hear Danny, I, I'm sorry, is it uh, Dr. Aiken? Um, I know you're going to uh, Israel in this next few weeks, I understand. And so one of the things I, I appreciate so much about being Danny and Charlotte's pastors is Charlotte couldn't go to Israel uh, when they were at, at Highview, and so he invited me to take her place, and so I roomed with Dr. Aiken for about two weeks in Israel, and I learned a lot there, and uh, one particular time I got on the bus, he coming, you know, the last, he was leading the, the tour, so he came in late on the bus, and I said, hey, man, I got a shirt just like that, and he said, it is your shirt. <laughs> I didn't pack enough clothes. It, uh." <laughs> Then uh, one particular night, we were standing on the balcony, I love to tell that story, in the Sea of Galilee, the sun was setting, it was gorgeous, a beautiful sunset, and, and, and uh, we're just standing there on the balcony together, and he put his arm around me, he said, this is one of the most romantic settings I've ever been in, <laughs> and I'm stuck with you, you know, <laughs> and so, uh, so dear, you're so privileged to be able to attend here and be a part of of Danny's leadership. Hey, I like to, I'm gonna be in Mark chapter four in just a moment and I have to be honest, preaching in seminaries is very intimidating for me. It's not my sweet spot. You hear a lot of great uh, preachers. Uh, Dr. Shaddix is among uh, just one and then all the others that you bring in. And so it's always intimidating even though I I pastored a church in a seminary uh, town was Dr. Aiken, Dr. Moeller's pastor for uh, many years. Uh, For me, it's just intimidating. This is just like a notch above a colonoscopy. And all right, so uh, I'm gonna do the very best I can, but more in a pastoral way, I want to let you know how you can connect to missions in North America and internationally. Every church can do that. My very first church uh, voted me in seven to zero. It was my only unanimous call. I had one deacon, and uh, we had very quick meetings, and, uh, but it was an incredible opportunity. Every church, even my church of seven, can be involved in missions. The unique thing about the, the Southern Baptist Convention, if you will, is there's 45,000 churches, but the majority of those churches are in the South, as you well know. The majority of the SBC is in the ACC and the SEC. Now, it's the other conferences that are going to hell, and we have got to reach them. <laughs> and so part of the challenge is getting people to go to the highest population areas where there's the greatest need. Um, I'm just sharing with someone earlier and the second largest population grouping of Ethiopians is not in Ethiopia. It's in DC. It's just amazing if you look at the opportunities right here in North America. So as you go, I just want to encourage you to consider going uh, across North America, and engaging is at least a first step, and you can, in regards of where you end up, and any church can engage and pray, participate, or eventually perhaps provide uh, for church planters. So at Nam, if you think of Nam, the North American Mission Board, we facilitate what we do in two different ways. One is Sin Network. That's the church planning arm. Our goal through Sin Network is to plant 1,200 churches a year. You Do the math real quick. That's a roughly 100 a month. That's about 20 to 25 every week. So in your pulpit on Sunday, when you go to preach every Sunday uh, from New York to New Mexico to California to Florida, the Southern Baptists are planting 20 to 25 churches that Sunday on average somewhere. So sin Network is about planning churches. And we have a great need for high-capacity uh, leaders that potentially would want to be church planners. That's send Network. The other side of what we do, as Dr. Aiken mentioned, was send relief. And that's not just disaster relief, it's poverty, it's sex trafficking, It's ministry to refugees, it's foster care and adoption. And uh, so uh, we want to engage Southern Baptists in meeting the needs of their community so we can really see community uh, transformations. We engage them with the gospel. We want to share help, but we also want to share the hope of the gospel. And Sin Relief helps us do that and also allows us to connect with brothers outside the SBC uh, sphere, if you will. So I just want to encourage you You can be involved in either one of those two very simple, uh, from any church of any size, uh, you can engage in that way, but it all comes back to one thing. The reason we do what we do is gospel conversations. And I'd like to share out of Mark chapter four a passage. I'm sure you've heard before, um, uh, where Jesus, uh, uh talks about the soils, Um, I'm reminded in John 15, where it says, By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. You often hear pastors or people talk about going on mission trips. We're going on a mission trip in June. We've got a mission trip planned for August. We've got one planned for September. But when you read Scripture... Uh, I see in my Bible that every day we have the opportunity to go on a mission trip, absolutely every day, to engage in gospel conversations with people all around us. And all you have to do is be aware, conscious, and available, and God will bring those opportunities to you to have gospel conversations. And uh, as we look in Mark chapter 4, I'd like to read the first part Um, But then I really want to spend a good bit of time on the application of helping us see that we must make the most of every opportunity God gives us. Let's begin in Mark chapter 4, verse 1. have the scripture there. If not, I can use my Bible. (laughs) All right. Hey, there we go. I'm sorry. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and set it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables and his teachings. He said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him, the 12, asked about the parables and said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. Now, I'd like to stop there and just reflect on this for a moment. Jesus obviously is a brilliant communicator. He knew exactly what would relate to them and connect with them, and when he used these farming terms, they understood it. When he said uh, about the sower going out to sow the seed, and when it fell on the hard path, on the path, they understood that that was the very hard portion of the pasture where everyone would walk on and seed would just bounce off of it, would not penetrate it. They also knew that on the stony ground, there was typically about a three-inch amount of soil over limestone, and that nothing would really grow there temporarily, but nothing would really produce much fruit at all it was very temporary they knew all of this and jesus was connecting with them in that terminology and then later when the disciples said hey look uh, when you were talking about that uh, uh, earlier could you explain what that meant and love again he he goes back and just walks them there and says now look when i was saying about the sower sowing the seed here's what that meant and what i believe he's saying here is when you look at the soil When you look at how people respond, you need to prepare yourself because one, you're to be obedient to sow the seed. You're getting an incredible education here and you'll be incredibly prepared to go into a pulpit or on a mission field, but we must be obedient to sow the seed. And what Jesus is telling them is when that happens, you need to understand there's gonna be several responses. Some is going to fall on very hard ground. Not going to penetrate. It's going to seem like it's making no no uh, difference at all. But you sow the seed. Some's going to fall on stony ground and it's going to look like it starts to to produce something, but then ends up it does not. But you just sow the seed and then some's going to uh, be planted and it's going to be devoured really by weeds and uh, strangled because of so many distractions. I could go into a lot of detail here, but I want you to see. Finally, he says, there is good soil. When you sow the seed, some is going to fall on the good soil. And you just don't know. There's no way possible for you to fully comprehend all that God could do with just one seed. One seed falls and that's why he says it could be 30 fold, it could be 60 fold or 100 fold. You have no idea. God has called us to sow seed. Regardless of how brilliant you become regardless of how grounded you become in theology regardless of how well read you are may you never outgrow being obedient to sowing seed It's not something you have to do you wait until you graduate and then um, begin to do it's something you do absolutely every day to sow the seed how you do it I really don't care what method it you use. Most people would not care. I'm convinced more people are open to hearing the gospel than we are willing to share it. I sat on an airplane the other day, flying back from Washington, DC. Well, really sharp young man, 45 years old, sat down real well-dressed and ended up being a professor at Georgetown University. And, uh, I was really tired from the particular, particular thing I'd gone to. And it was one of those things where I was just gonna use an hour flight to kind of rest up. And I was looking through some apps and happened to hit the three circle app we have. Um, that's, uh, I think of, I think it was one of the very best ways to share the gospel. I flicked that three circle app on and was looking through it. I honestly was looking through it to critique it because they, they were supposed to make some tweaks to it. I wanted to make sure that they actually followed through and did it. I wasn't looking for an evangelism opportunity. And so, um, I was just looking through it, the guy looked over and said, hey, uh, what's that? And I said, well, it's, a, it's just an app I have that kind of shows the different cycles of life and things like that. And, and uh, he said, well, uh, about what? And I said, well, let me show you. And so I went back on the app and began, his name's Eric, and went back and began to share it with Eric. Um, about the three circles as we went through it. He said, man, that's incredible. And I said, "Uh, uh, absolutely. So you ever, you ever uh, given your heart to Christ? He goes, you know, um, I just went through a divorce. Um, It was an ugly divorce. I got two daughters, both teenagers. And this was about nine months ago. He said, I'm dating a girl. And he, all of this, I'm telling you, this guy, professor at Georgetown, all of this he told me before we hit 30,000 feet. All of this he told me really on his own. I don't get credit for this opportunity because I didn't take it. I mean, he interrupted me to ask me to share three circles with him. My point is God will provide opportunities. I'm still in contact with Eric, and he's very open. He says he's a believer. He's just, he said extremely strayed and uh, wants to correct things and, and, and to be renewed and be back on the path that God would have for him. I just want to encourage you. Sometimes we can get so distracted on um, the business of life and the details of ministry that we forget why we're here to do what we do. Um, why we go and why we're even a part of a church staff or a pastor. Why is that? When I was a pastor at Ivy, we taught our people how to share their faith. And at the time, there was one uh, particular way that, that Lifeway had out called faith, F-A-I-T-H. We literally taught hundreds, if not thousands of people to do faith, F-A-I-T-H. It was real simple. Forgiveness, and forgiveness is available, but it's not automatic. A, forgiveness, available, A, I, it's impossible for God to allow sin into heaven. You have to agree with that. And it, T is for turn turn means repent and h is for heaven it's a real simple way and so we did it because it was simple i was just trying to do elevator type of uh, you got to teach it so people can do it fast I remember as we did uh, different groups i had one particular lady in my church named sherry sherry was like she's the sherry is in every church she just goes by a different name all right she felt like criticism was her spiritual gift And, and so she would come up and she says, I'm going to do it, but just because you guilted us into it. And I said, well, I'll take it either way. And she says, I'm going to take it. I'm going to learn it, but I am not going to share it with anyone. I said, okay, Sherry, I'm sure God will be pleased. Look, you just come and go. And so she went through it and we taught, if we went through, I said about 10 weeks, we would do it. We got through all of it. I went to her and I said, look, um, I know you said you weren't gonna go out on visitation, you haven't, but would you, would you just go one time? You don't have to say anything. Would you just go one time just to see it? I think it would really help you. And she said, okay, but I'm not going to say a word. Of course, I'm thinking everyone will be thankful, trust me, you know? And so <laughs> they go out on the visit, she doesn't say a word, she comes back and she said, that wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. And, and the next time I said, well, hey, here why don't you go this time? Why don't you just go, just do F. I'll tell the leader to do the intro part and lateral to you. You do F, F is for forgiveness, you got that down. And then you lateral back to him to do A, I, T, H and he'll take over from there. She says, all right, but just F. I'm not doing anything else, but just F. I said, okay, so they go on the visit sure enough, uh, the leader does it perfectly. Laterals to her. And she says, yes, the Bible talks about forgiveness. And it's the F of faith. F is for forgiveness. And she gave the scripture context and explained it. She got so excited about it and that she did so well that she um, jumped to A. And the leader was thrilled, but a little shocked. And she says, an A, A is for available. It's available for all, John three sixteen, but it's not automatic and explained all the the verses. She got so excited about herself and doing so well with F and A, she went straight to T. And she said, T is for turn. And she could tell that this young couple were responding. And she said, turn means repent. And, oh, just forget Would you like to ask Jesus in your heart? (laughs) And, you know, the couple, the man began to, to tear up and said, you know, that's exactly what we'd like to do. And so she turned to the leader and she said, well, you pull it on into the garage. And so sure enough, <laughs> he led that couple to where they prayed to receive Christ. It was so sweet, we had a kind of a system where we would bring everybody back into the church after visitation and, and gather and kind of have a shared time, you know, kind of like they do at AA meetings. And, and uh, um, we'd bring them up and say, hey, tell about your experience so i brought sherry up and i said hey sherry tell everybody about your, your your experience it was it was fantastic she goes oh it was wonderful i did it i did it it was just wonderful i, did, I mean god did it And i said well tell them what happened she said i got there and i was only gonna say f and 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 i, I did forgiveness i got so excited and i felt good about it so i went straight to a and then i was on a roll so i just went straight to t and, uh, and she said, and they prayed to receive Christ and everybody would be sowing affirming of her, you know, and clapping and all. And, and she says, but you don't understand. I didn't spell faith. I spelled fat, you know? <laughs> My point is this, sometimes it doesn't matter if you spell faith, it doesn't matter if you spell fat, it doesn't matter if you spell fa or foof. It just doesn't matter if you use three circles, four squares or five triangles, it just, the most important thing is that you understand the importance of sowing seed to have gospel conversations every day is a mission opportunity uh, to have a gospel conversation when we were doing faith sometimes uh I learned through this in a practical way that sometimes when you feel least valuable, a time in your life when you feel like you have no sense of purpose, or even sometimes when you're doing the right thing but doesn 't seem to be making much difference, uh, God can take those opportunities and multiply and make the most out of it. I remember when I pastored my little church of seven and I was so hoping to uh, we were going door to door and got up to 50 at one point and just so hoping that you know, decisions would come. And I was trying to be the Holy Spirit's assistant there, just trying to you know, convict people and understand, look, I have to just relax and be obedient and faithful and let God cause the increase. One particular time, though, we went on a visit, and I'll do this real fast. Um, this, I went to the visit, and you perhaps have done this, gone to a door, and they weren't very... They, they appreciated the visit, but really, weren't really open Having a conversation, they said, "Well, we're, we uh, don't have time to invite you in, but man, feel free to, feel free to tell us what you've come here to share." And so we said, "Well, look, I just want to share uh, a little bit about the church, but also the reason we do this is because of what the Bible says, And we went through the faith again, FAITH. Bottom line is, it was awful. Um, the whole entire time as we were going through it, somebody was moving in upstairs. And we had to move forward back and forward back. And there's a couch coming by. And it was just, everything was just not in sync, okay? At the very end, they said, thanks for coming by, but we're just not interested in in, in making that commitment yet, but we appreciate you sharing. And so we walked off and I'll never forget, uh, one of the the, the people that was on the team said, you know, uh, no offense, but that has to be the worst visit ever. And uh, I said, you know, uh, you're exactly right. I don't know ever a time where more things have gone wrong in one particular setting than that. About that time, I heard a voice say, "Uh, hey, hey, and turned around and we know the lady's name to be Starla now. It was Starla and says, "Uh, hey, what do you need? She said, well, um, were you talking to those people about God and church and Jesus and stuff? And I said, well, yeah, and she said, well, would you mind telling me about God and church and Jesus and stuff? And we said, well, we would, but we've got to be back to church at 730. That's not what we said. I said, um, I said, sure. And so just real quickly, we shared the gospel with Starla and Starla accepted Christ. She was actually moving in with her boyfriend, David, upstairs. And uh, so we led her to Christ and went up and began to share with David. David was not as open and not thrilled with us. Uh, especially when we told her, you know, this is probably not the best arrangement um, for you. And uh, look, we'll be glad to help you uh, transition somewhere else. David's really not happy about all of that because he just got the couch up there. And then, <laughs> but the long story short is about two months later, David too accepted Christ. I had the opportunity to baptize him. About two months, three months after that, David began to play in our praise band, played bass. He was uh, played at nightclubs in a band. And I'll never forget, one of the funniest things I ever was told is a pastor, he says, hey, pastor. <laughs> he goes, uh, hey, you know what? He goes, playing in the praise band is so much better than in the nightclub. <laughs> and I said, really, uh, why would you say that? He said, man, I love playing in the church. It's so much less smoke. <laughs> I thought the funny part of that was he said less. <laughs> you <know? laughs> like you come in the same entrance I do around back, see those guys hovering around there. But um, <laughs> what we thought would be the potential, the worst possible ended up being the best. They end up getting married, have kids, very faithfully serving the Lord. It's just incredible what God can do when he takes very feeble, feeble attempts just doing our best to sow seed. One last story. There's a guy named Bill. Uh, Bill's a real average guy. and He was having a phone installed in his home. I know I need to re- translate that for you. They used to have phones that hung on the wall, all right? And that was the only way. Uh, they had rotary dials and the whole bit. Bill was having a phone installed, and there was an installer from a place called South Central Bell, now Bell South, that showed up at the house and was installing the phone. Well, it took a while, but it's not a tedious procedure. And, and so when he was installing it in the house, Bill, a believer, thought, I'll take opportunity to sow a little seed here and begin to share with Mike, and so the installer. And so he began to share the gospel, and Mike was very open and responded and, and Mike ended up praying to receive Christ. Mike went home to his wife, Glenda, and said, look, this is what this guy shared with me about the gospel. And she says, I know I used to attend church and I know about the gospel. We just, they just never had any of that in their relationship at all. He said, well, I want to go to church on Sunday. And so they did. And they end up being baptized together uh, there in an old church outside Hopkinsville, Kentucky. And you know what was crazy? Everything in their life changed. The transformation of the gospel is really as powerful as we sing about and read about. It's amazing to watch it take place in people's lives. And everything about their life changed. What Mike and Glenda did on Friday night changed. What they did on Sundays changed. How they talked to each other changed. How they talked to their three kids changed. Everything changed. And the reason I know that is because Mike was my dad. And there's a guy I've never met before named Bill. And when I get to heaven, if I have the opportunity, I want to try to track him down. Because of him taking the time to sow the seed to a a guy that he didn't even know, a blue-collar, hard-working guy, because of that, that one seed uh, completely radically changed my life. And that also changed my kids' lives my grandkids' lives I'm thankful God provides us opportunities to share every day 150,000 people die every hour 6,000 people die 55 million people a year die and go to heaven or go to hell Last year in the Southern Baptist Convention, we had 281,000 baptisms. If you do really quick math on 46,000 pastors sharing their faith or leading someone to Christ once a week, it's 2.6 million. We often talk about evangelism. We talk about missions and the, it's exciting exciting and sexy to go to these places and engage in people groups and sometimes we go and we forget ultimately it's about sowing seed you go to that pastor a staff physician or if you're a school teacher in new york it's about sowing seed jesus was telling them look as you sow the seed, Some's going to fall on hard ground. There's some hard hearts out there. You know, it's been long in church and you'll know that there's hard-hearted churches out there. Doing what I do, dealing with uh, 40, over 46,000 pastors. There's some hard-hearted pastors out there. It can get ugly, but it doesn't shouldn't keep you from sowing the seed. Some's going to grow, begin to grow and fall off and that's going to discourage you, but it shouldn't keep you from sowing seed. Something's going to get crowded out by the desires and busyness of life, but look, that should not keep you from sowing the seed. Most important thing is that we focus on why God put us here. And that's to sow the seed. I'm thankful for Bill. There's somebody in your life that's just like Bill. Bill. That shared with somebody who shared with somebody who shared with you. I'm so excited about all that God may have before you. And I thought about as I walked in here today as when I was in seminary and oh the freshness of, of learning so much and meeting so many unique people. And pastoring that little church of seven. And then the excitement of getting there and being able to preach the gospel, even though I had to show up a couple hours before and turn on the gas heaters and do all the, boy, the freshness of that. Um, may we just never cease to sow seed with intentionality. God, you put you here for a purpose and make the very most of those opportunities. I want us to bow our heads. Father, I'm thankful that in your word you said we're to love you with all of our heart, we love our soul, love our mind, and strength. We're to love our neighbors ourselves. Sometimes, Father, it's obvious because of our lack of obedience and just sharing with those that we know and that we don't know. That we don't love them as we should. Father, forgive us sometimes for our lack of obedience. Forgive us for not seeing ourselves as the instruments that you've placed us here to be. And I must to love you enough to love others and to share and to sow the seed. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary.